Welcome to the Out of the Darkness series podcast. Book 1. Operation Lazarus. Episode 1. Narrated by Colin Sharif Ganim. Characters by Caden Gardner and Nathan Dixon. Written by Caden Gardner. Chapter 1. The Package. What's the difference between something being justified and something being right? Is evil justifiable? Does it really matter? In the end, bad things will still happen, whether there is a morally sound reason for it or not. You can't stop it. You can't run or hide from it. That's just how our lives work. We pretend that, as a species, we are morally superior to every other being in existence. But are we anything more than spiteful animals ourselves? You could say that evil isn't justifiable in any form, and a morally superior or good person would know that. But are there any good people out there? Most people's actions tend to be based on emotions rather than logic. Emotions can make evil sound reasonable, if not even justifiable. Take revenge, for instance. A man with vengeance in mind can see reason in taking a machine gun and gunning down people who wronged him. A politician can see the logic in bombing a village full of innocence because it is home to a terrorist cell that had attacked their countrymen. A country at war can see reason in dropping two nuclear bombs on cities full of civilians, then claim it was for the greater good. In this world, there is so much death and destruction that's been justified by hatred and vengeance. It's in our nature. So, that brings us to the next big question. What happens when our violence pushes too far, and powers beyond our knowledge or comprehension seek vengeance on humanity? Well, this is how it started. The beginning of how we got the life that has been left for us. I've put the pieces together and traced the story. I even talked to a few people who were present. I'm going to tell this story to the best of my ability. People need to know the truth. Not the watered-down, drama-filled, fake-news garbage that our overlords taught us in grade school. Now, this isn't the earliest point, but it is the beginning. It started in a city called Grozny, in a small country called Chechnya. The year was 2030, a few years before I was born. A few more before the world went to hell. From what I know, it was the beginning of winter. Grozny was already frozen solid, and the air was brisk. A pale white moon illuminated the rooftop around one man, a man whose name was Trent Grayson. He stood silently, watching the streets through his binoculars, trying desperately to ignore the stinging bite of the frozen air. The man was laser-focused. He didn't have time to care for the cold. He'd already been on this one for too long. According to his boss, Trent was one of the best in the agency. He didn't think anything of it. He didn't join the CIA to prove anything. This was just the life that was meant for him. His whole life he'd spent training to do it, working to do it. It was as if fate wanted him there. From the high and tight haircut to his dirty-ass combat boots. He was at home when he was soldiering. He never rested, he barely ate, and his head was always on the mission. At least, that was the impression that he gave off. Occasionally, he would remove the binoculars and look up at the sky. His icy blue eyes were wandering when he was going to get to see her again. 
As much as he tried to put the thought out of his head, it was like an itch he needed to scratch. The thought was distracting and ever-consuming. It was around one of these moments that he'd heard the door behind him open. You doing all right? Jamie thinks you're up here masturbating. Chad joked as he pranced out. Chad was an interesting man. The first thing anyone would ever notice was that he had a lot of hair. On his face, his arms, everything that showed other than his hands. He was the kind of guy that one would mistake for a lumberjack had he not been so ridiculously skinny. The man was a pole. He was tall and lanky. He looked like he could fall through a crack in the roof. Trent scoffed. Mad Dog, you really need some different material. Chad chuckled. The masturbation joke's just not cutting it anymore? Or were you out here texting Ophelia? You know Shaw won't like that. Do you ever shut up? Asked Trent. Nope. Anyways, what have we got? Trent sighed. Honestly, not much other than some activity around the hotel. A few blocks ahead of them, there was this old three-story building that was made from a mix of wood and concrete. It wasn't very scenic, but nothing in this area was, aside from the Gideon headquarters, which itself was a lot nicer a few weeks ago. A mysterious riot broke out and wrecked the place. The hotel itself was cracked and withered. It had bullet holes in every side, and not a single window was intact. The city itself had honestly become a hellhole over the last forty years. In its defense, it had been victim to a lot. Namely, a border skirmish between Chechnya and Russia in 2027 that ended with a small-scale genocide. Tell me something, Trent pondered as he lifted his binoculars. What? responded Chad. Why does a place like this need a hotel? Um, terrorist tourism? Trent looked at Chad. It was one of those irritated looks that he only got when he was tired of someone being a smartass. It's probably not actually a hotel. If I were to guess, I would say it's a brothel or maybe a militia outpost. Trent thought for a second. His mind was pondering the possibilities. Oh man, I hope so. That would be awesome. I've been getting kind of lonely down here the past few months. Chad gawked, completely wrecking Trent's train of thought. How? You've been around three other people? Trent asked, not really thinking about what Chad was implying. The rooftop went silent for a second. Trent could feel Chad staring at him. I mean, sexually. Trent rolled his eyes and took a slow, deep, irritated breath. That's, uh, not an image I wanted. Why are you imagining it? It had been a long few months. That was no lie. The men were well-worn. They had dirt in the strangest of places, and the things some of them would have done for a shower were just outrageous. But that was the life of a soldier. Things suddenly began shifting down the street. The hotel had gone from dead to a buzz in what seemed like a split second. People were arriving left and right. Mostly men, all with their faces covered and AK-47s strapped to their backs. They were the area's typical militia. All armed and all unquestionably anxious. But who could blame them? After all, they had just stolen from the most powerful company in the world. Did Jamie activate our tracking beacon? Trent asked, not removing his eyes from the building up the street. You mean the one you stole during the riot? I think so. Why? Because I'm about 95% sure that the package is in the hotel, said Trent as he turned and handed the binoculars to Chad.
Holy hell, that place got busy fast, Chad said, peering through binoculars. Uh, yeah. So, are you sure the spooky scientist said biological weapons? Because if we're about to fight our way through that and only find a flu shot, I'm going to be pissed. Well, I only talked to him for a few minutes before his brain ended up on my face. But I got a quick peek at the file. It looked intense. Besides, no one gets the flu anymore. Trent took a deep breath. <sighs> I hope you're right. Shaw's gone all Ahab on Gideon over the past year. Chad chuckled. I thought I was the only one who noticed. Let's hope Jones doesn't find out, Trent mumbled. The door opened behind them, and out stepped the large British-looking man known as Jamie King. He was an intimidating man. He was a whole head taller than Trent, and twice as bulky. He had a greasy ginger mullet with a goatee that was, for whatever reason, darker than the hair on his head. Which was something Chad had just recently noticed, and hadn't shut up about since. Trent, the tracker is running. The package is in the hotel. Trent turned and looked at Chad with one of those satisfied, I told you so kind of faces. Chad turned to Jamie. Why are we calling it the package? It seems like calling it the package is kind of vague. I mean, explain that. It got awkwardly silent between the three. Bad writing? Trent asked. Chad sighed. Eh, we could try calling it something like, eh, I don't know, kryptonite. That's probably trademarked, Jamie said. Trent paused for a second as he noticed something about Jamie's face. His eyes seemed a bit bloodshot. Hey, Jamie, you're not going to be high on this one, are you? Jamie looked at him with a confused look on his face. Um, no. I just had one joint to calm my nerves, he mumbled. Are you sure? Because last time you fucked up on a stealth op, you got spooked and blew our position, and Chad got shot in the ass, Trent said. The bulletin hit my ass, Chad commented. Trent looked at Chad with a raised brow. Chad scoffed and rolled his eyes. No, I got it. Like I said, it was just one joint, Jamie said as he nodded several times. Yeah, let's not get high on this one. Evidentially, my ass may depend on it, Chad joked. Trent gave off a soft laugh. All right, let's go wake up Gray. It's time to get this party started. Trent would go straight into the broken, battered apartment. The place wasn't fun to look at. It had dark blue wallpaper that was torn. The emerald green carpet was infested with some kind of roaches. Jamie and Chad had sworn up and down that there were rats in the walls. Trent didn't seem to care. He was always too busy standing outside, trying to figure out the plan, which so far had worked out decently, except for the part where they used a citywide rumor to instigate a riot that ended with the militia shooting at them which resulted in Trent only being able to steal a tracking device. So, all in all, they were getting an E for effort. Gray wasn't a large man by any means. He was so skinny he looked sickly. I guess it was because of the fast metabolism. According to Chad, the dude could sit around for six weeks eating nothing but chocolate and chips and not gain a pound. He was sitting alone in the van, a dark black beanie covering the top of his head. He was the getaway driver, the man they had to give them that deus ex machina moment when the team needed it. He'd parked the big white brick-shaped van in a dark alleyway a few blocks behind the hotel. His headlights were off, as was the engine. He sat in complete silence. Trent, Chad, and Jamie stood inside a nearby building. Trent looked out of the open window at the hotel, which was around 20 yards away. It had taken them a good 12 to 14 minutes to make it there. 
They were within fifty feet of the hotel. Their prize was within reach. They were armed to the teeth. Trent brandished a scar L with a suppressor and a night vision scope, an old 1911 on his hip, and his favorite knife below it, the kukri, or bohemian headlopper, as he called it. Not sure why he called it that. The blade was made in Nepal. He flicked the selector switch off and back on with his thumb. Then again. Then again. It was an old habit he'd picked up on when he'd been an actual soldier. One he only really did when he was trying to formulate the thoughts in his head. He was trying to push the thought of seeing Ophelia out of his mind to focus on getting his team home. Chad stood to his left, his suppressed M14 on his back and a sleek black harpoon gun aimed at the building across from them. Then there was the redneck Jamie King. He was holding a semi-automatic shotgun known as the Saiga 12. It was a gun that was just his size. But seeing as how he wasn't very bright, a little too loud for this mission. So let me get this straight. You want a zip line through the windows? Chad asked. Yup. Trent responded rather chirpily. What is the plan for when you're inside? You have that x-ray scope on your M14 and some armor-piercing rounds. Guide us through the building. Trent said as he slid a black glove onto his hand. You know x-ray scopes can't see through concrete, right? Asked Chad as he squinted at Trent. The walls on the third floor are wooden, Agent Davis. You'll be fine. Trent said with a smile. Chad pressed his lips. What is the escape plan? Trent chuckled. I'm going to jump out of the building. Wait, what? Trent took a deep breath. I'm going to jump out of the second floor window onto the top of the van. Chad's eyes got big. Are you stupid? There's no way that's going to work. Trent smirked at him. Call me stupid all you want. I'm not the one who married an MI6 agent. Chad shot Trent a dirty look. Then, without breaking eye contact, he fired the harpoon gun, sending a harpoon sailing into the building next to them. The harpoon didn't miss its mark, nailing the wooden space right above the broken window. Now, that was rude. At least I didn't bring up what I caught you doing in that hotel with a fee- Let's not get distracted. Trent abruptly interrupted. Jamie perked up. Was he about to say Ophelia? Is there something going on here? Trent rolled his eyes. No one was supposed to know, and Chad had only gotten lucky when he found out. He had walked in on the two during a mission in Mexico. Just get on the fucking zipline, Jamie. He turned and looked at Chad. Dick. Chad grinned and shot his middle finger up at Trent. With that, Trent and Jamie were flying across the alleyway. Both men caught themselves after they passed through the window hole. Trent was first to aim his weapon. They had landed in a dark, pitch-black room. Trent peered around the room with his night vision scope. The room is empty. Chad, let's get started. Chad peered through the white tint of his scope. Well, you guys make kind of a loud entrance. One of the guards is coming into the room. You got two seconds. Trent was quick, pulling his kukri. The blade was in the air just as the door opened. The man didn't even have a second to dodge or duck. The weapon planted itself in the man's chest with a squelch. The man stood for a second, trying to comprehend what had just happened. Then the life started to fade in his eyes before he kneeled forward, right into Trent's arms. You know, you're scary with that thing. Jamie's voice sounded off from behind him. Trent jerked the blade out of the man's chest cavity, then looked up at Jamie. Trent kept his serious expression. 
Chad, where are we going? Out the hallway to the left. The package should be in the room at the end of the hallway. You have four tangos inside. Should be? Trent asked with contempt. Yeah, like, you should be following the rules when it comes to dating co-workers. Jamie's face lit up like a Christmas tree. So something is going on. Jamie, shut up. Trent whispered. Trent was quick into the hallway, veering around the corner behind his rifle. Right into another man's path. The man didn't even have time to acknowledge him. Because the moment he made eye contact, an armor-piercing round blew the side of his head off. Nice shot. Aha! You like that? Chad asked as pride boomed in his voice. I see you've been practicing. Mostly breathing techniques. Helps the body stay calm. Is that the technique you use when you watch porn at four in the morning? The comlink went dead silent for a few seconds. You know about that? Chad asked with a gulp. Yeah, that's why you don't leave your computer open. It's an HR complaint just waiting to happen. Wait, I'm not the only one who does that. Jamie asked in a joking voice. The two inched closer and closer to the red doorway. The wooden floor was slightly creaking with each step. That was when suddenly it opened. Out walked another Chechnyan man, one of the same faceless men hiding behind a mask. Trent was quick, aiming his rifle down the hallway and popping one round off into the man's mask. The body went limp and plopped straight to the floor. Trent knew the man wasn't in that room alone. He knew that as soon as the body hit. The bad guys were coming, and they were coming in hot. Chad, open fire. Trent could hear the voices. The men were screaming as they ran towards the hallway. The squelch of suppressed bullets entering the flesh through the walls. Trent dropped down to his knee. He watched as two men came flying from the room. He dropped them with only two rounds, both precise in hitting their marks. The two men fell. The thuds of their bodies hitting the wooden floor sent a certain sense of ease down Trent's spine. They were fewer people to deal with. If their deaths meant he could go home, better them than him. Trent and Jamie were swift to enter the room. It was littered with two bodies, both missing the sides of their heads. The blood splattered on the wooden walls like a red Jackson Pollock painting. Trent looked around. The room wasn't large. It wasn't illuminated very well. Just a single light bulb over a small wooden table and the moonlight coming through the window. The putrid stench of shit hit Trent and Jamie. Jamie clenched up and held his nose. Trent stood there, looking through his scope at the package. A black case with the classic Gideon G stamped in white on the center. Jeez, the smell came up quick, Jamie groaned. Yeah, talk about shooting the crap out of them, Trent said as he took a deep breath. Now stop being a wuss. Chad, Gray, I have the package. Trent snatched the package up, then turned to Jamie. Jamie had his shotgun aimed down the hallway. Jamie, do not fire that weapon. They don't know we're here yet, Trent ordered. He could barely see ahead of him outside the pitch-black darkness. He did, however, have a heightened sense of things, like a momentary boost. He could almost feel his surroundings from the head of sweat dripping down his face to the hairs on his back that stood up when the brisk breeze hit it. That was when he heard it. Footsteps. He was quick to aim and unleash a volley of buckshot straight down the hallway. The noise echoed through the building. The flashes illuminated the men coming his way for a split second. 
He caught bits of them being blown to smithereens in each flash. Trent realized in that second that Jamie had, in fact, done precisely what he told him not to do. Well, now they certainly know we're here. Jamie caught Trent's condescending glance. Well, I just killed three of them. And there are fifteen more downstairs. I told you not to give away our position. They would have seen us anyway, Jamie argued. The hallway lit up. More men had run up into it, all blindly firing their weapons as they ran towards the room. The wood chipped around Jamie, splintering off in all directions. Jamie again lit up the hallway. But he wasn't sure what he was firing at. He dropped to one knee, taking cover behind the doorframe, while Trent aimed his rifle down the hallway. Trent could see the men snaking their way up the hallway through the green tint of his night vision scope. He aimed and fired his weapon, tagging one man in his ski mask-covered face. That was when Trent heard Gray's voice over the comlink. We are in position. Move your asses. Jamie turned and looked at Trent. You're a whole floor above where we should be. Well, maybe if someone didn't fire off their cannon, we wouldn't be in this position. Trent blasted. Trent turned and looked out the window. Jamie rounded his doorframe and unloaded his shotgun into the darkness. Chad, we have a slight problem. Jamie, do something stupid? Chad asked. Yeah, you still have the harpoon? Yeah. Trent took a deep breath. Fire it above our window. Chad's eyes grew to the size of quarters. Which window is that? Please tell me it isn't the target room. The comlink got quiet for a few seconds. Then finally, Trent's voice emerged. It's the target room. I hate you. Chad had made it to the back of the van. He was inside, hurriedly loading his harpoon gun with another shot. The biggest issue with this was that the target room was facing the road, which itself was in front of the building, where every gunman in the windows could see them. Gray was quick, whipping the van around the corner and out of the black alleyway, then speeding across the white gravel, kicking up dust behind them. They reached their position in a hurry. Then Gray stopped so hard Chad nearly flew into the front seat. It didn't take long for the men inside the building to open fire upon them. The pings from the bullets impacting their van's armor plating filled their ears. Okay, I need you to lay cover fire, Chad yelled. Gray nodded as he stepped into the back of the vehicle. Now, let me tell you about the back of the van. The place was a moving fortress, almost like a tank. It was armored on all sides. It also had a short concealable minigun that could pop out of the sunroof. That was something that the militia in the building was not expecting. The gun spewed hot lead like a dragon breathes fire. The wood splintered. Men were ripped to pieces as blood painted the walls in a glorious display of gore and carnage. It was then that Chad made his move, jumping out from the back of the van and firing his harpoon into the window seal above the target room. Let's go, Trent commanded. Jamie went first, racing down the zip line at an incredible speed, nailing the van hard when he reached the gravel. Trent stood at the window, watching his man as he hooked himself onto the rope. That was when he heard the gunshot behind him, then felt the sting in his shoulder blade. Trent was fast, turning and shooting his rifle behind him as he jumped from the window. He was slung down the line and hit the van just as hard as Jamie did. No, shit, they hit me. Trent unhooked himself from the rope and handed the package to Chad. He was lucky his adrenaline was pumping, 
or he would have been in agony. Gray was still unloading the minigun on the building. Each of the six barrels had been mere seconds away from overheating. They were all bright orange, like molten lava. Jamie got into the driver's seat, while Chad and Trent got into the back. Trent was ripping his shirt off so they could fix his wound. They could feel the jerk of the van as Jamie floored it. Chapter 2. The Good Guys Jesus, man, the bad guys actually hit their target. Isn't that not supposed to happen? Chad remarked. We aren't in a story, and if we are, the writer's a dick, Trent said, holding his shoulder. The warm, sticky blood was oozing through his fingers. Chad knew what he was doing here better than most. He was, after all, a medic in the U.S. Army before he joined the CIA. Well, the bullet went through your shoulder blade. You're not going to be able to use that arm for a while. No kidding, Trent said with frustration. Yeah, it looks like Ophelia is going to get that vacation now, Chad joked. Trent got quiet for a second. The thought of a vacation felt foreign to him. I guess she is. Chad rummaged through the van for a second until he found the first aid kit. Then he pulled a giant syringe out of it, a syringe full of a white dough-like substance. The Instabandage. More high-tech equipment the CIA had that no one else did. The substance produced a white foamy putty when it met with blood. The putty closed Trent's wound, but it was far from painless. It made Trent grimace harder than he had when he got shot. Chad smirked. That hurt, man? The fuck you think? Gray got back into the van from his gunner position. He looked over the two. I think I melted the minigun. So, what was with that little stunt? Ask Jamie. He's the idiot who doesn't know how to listen. Relax, man. I'm sure it was an honest mistake. Chad spoke as he put the first aid kit away. Come on, Chad. You and I both know he's probably got something other than reefer in his system. He clearly got spooked again. Chad took a deep breath. Yeah, that's a good point, he mumbled. He's lucky no one died. Um, a lot of people died. Did you not see me with that minigun? I'm pretty sure I got at least ten. Gray's chipper voice sounded off. Trent rolled his eyes. I meant us. None of us died. It's my job to protect this team. I don't care who else dies as long as we get out. The vehicle came to a sudden grinding halt. Jamie stepped angrily into the back of the van, the look of irritated fury on his face. He'd had it. Oh, really? What about innocent people, like Amsterdam? Everyone could tell from Jamie's tone that he was irritated. The drugs had worn off, and it hit a switch with him. And now, he was going to let them have it. Where Chad shot a civilian. It was an accident, Chad shot back. And your accident killed a little girl. Still, an accident. You wasn't fucked up when that happened, Trent interrupted. Oh, you shut up. You're the one who covered it up. How many people have you killed? Just wondering. At least I offered to do something for her family. And that makes you a good person? Trent asked. It makes me better than you. Is that so? Why don't you tell me? Are you really mad about the civilian? Or are you upset because I got promoted and you didn't? I'm upset because the whole night, you guys have acted like you're all high and mighty, like you're some super agents, and it's pissing me off. And Trent, you may have gotten that promotion, but you didn't deserve it. 
Yeah, you're a good soldier, but you don't follow the rules. Especially the one Shaw was strictest on. The one about fucking teammates. Don't you dare bring that up. Chad looked at Trent, then back at Jamie. He could tell that both men were about to come to blows. Trent had his jaw clenched, and Jamie's face was bright pink. Speaking of rules, Jamie, weren't you texting this morning? Chad said sternly. Yeah, why is that important? Weren't you texting that analyst girl? You know, Shaw's rules also prohibit field agents from sleeping with analysts, right? So don't be a hypocrite. Jamie's jaw dropped a little, as he hadn't been expecting that comeback. They were right. He was a hypocrite. But no matter what his sins were, Trent's have had to have been worse. He had to have done worse things in Uncle Sam's name. Jamie turned and started walking back to the front seat. We're here, by the way. Chad opened the back doors. The first thing he did was met with the sight of the sun over the snow-speckled plains. Gray stepped out behind him. He walked around the van, spotting the giant old rotten barn. We got here fast. Chad's voice rang out. Trent, Gray, and Chad looked at the barn for a second. Gray had a shocked and confused look on his face. Is the safe house a barn? He asked. Well, it used to be a barn until one of our agents, and I won't mention any names, got drunk one night and accidentally brought an FSB agent over. Chad said jokingly. Gray could hear Trent scoff. Don't pin that one on me. You're the one who screwed around with her. I just thought she was our asset. And your crazy-ass girlfriend killed her by literally blowing the place up. How was I supposed to know Ophelia was shadowing us? Gray watched as the two went back and forth. He was just standing there awkwardly. Well, I guess I'll set up a perimeter. Gray turned and trotted towards the barn. Both Chad and Trent were watching him as he did so. Trent took a deep breath. I'm getting sick of Jamie's whole fake morality act. What? Trent sighed. Why did you join the CIA? Um, I heard it would be an adventure. Plus, I get to travel the world. So, for your own reasons? I guess so. Do you know why Jamie joined? Make the world a better place? Chad joked. Trent turned and smirked at Chad. No. In his file, it says that he joined because he wanted to get paid to travel the world and seduce pretty girls. Wait, really? No. It actually says Jamie joined because the CIA runs the world. Oh? That's way less fun. Trent took another deep breath. This one was longer and more drawn out. He seems to think that we represent order, but we don't. This agency is anything but orderly. Just look at our investigation into Gideon. Every time we've looked into them, the paperwork got lost, or the files were randomly deleted. Does that sound like order to you? Chad thought for a second. It sounds like someone wants us to stay away from Gideon. Yeah, it really does. But that isn't my point. We don't represent order. And the CIA doesn't give a shit about making a better world for anyone but them. And he wants to act like we're supposed to be the good guys? Well, I mean, we try. Do we? Remember when we destroyed an entire cartel so we could sell their drugs? All I remember is Ophelia putting a few rounds in Estevez, Chad joked. Yeah, well, he got handsy with her, 
and she only shot him once. Then she stabbed him. Really? Yep. She doesn't do well with people, does she? Trent chuckled. Nope. Anyway, like I was saying, we're not good. We're not supposed to be. The two stood still for a second in silence. A quick, solemn silence had taken over. Trent suddenly reached back into the van and yanked the briefcase out. Chad was confused and taken by surprise. Um, what are you doing? He asked. Checking to see if we just killed a bunch of people for a flu shot. Trent cracked open the case. It hissed at him as the once-pressurized container was now in the open world. On the inside was a vial. It was full of a snot-green liquid that moved around in its container, almost like it had a mind. And then, on the vial, the word printed in bold black letters, Lazarus One. Chad's eyes widened. That's gross. Is this shit alive? Trent asked. It was quiet all around the barn when Gray made it inside. The wet dirt squelched beneath his boots. The wood that held the structure up was rotten and damp. It was so chilly that Gray could see every exhale he made. He could see the box in the barn where the weapons cache was supposed to be. A wooden crate about the size of a coffin. At least, that is what it was supposed to look like. In reality, the crate was a lead safe that could withstand two pounds of C4. The funny thing was, the crate was broken open and empty. His exhales got quick as he became nervous. That container was supposed to be closed. His eyes darted around the barn, until they caught it, the man standing in the corner, the man who hadn't been there before. Guys, we might have a problem. Gray wasn't able to finish his sentence as a bullet whisked through his skull. Trent and Chad heard the shot. Trent quickly yanked his pistol out of his holster with his still-working arm. Their hearts were racing. The hell was that? Chad asked. I don't know, but it came from the barn. They both made their way towards the barn, weapons raised. They'd barely made it out from behind their van when the movement of a man in all-black tactical gear lurked into their vision. Trent was quick to dive back behind the van. The wet dirt kicked up around him as his wounded shoulder hit first. The shock of the sudden agonizing pain tore through him like an electric current. Chad had made a mad sprint towards the barn. Rounds were bouncing across the dirt behind him. He made it to the shelter of the barn entrance, where he slid to one knee. The bullets were now splintering the rotten, decaying barn door around him. He was fast, though. Incredibly fast and incredibly skilled. He wheeled around the corner behind his M14 and fired a single round into the man's head. That was when he realized the man wasn't alone. Two more opened fire towards him. He was, quite frankly, lucky that they couldn't aim for shit. Typical bad guys. Who are these guys? Trent demanded over the comlink. They look like mercenaries. Where's Jamie? Where is Gray? Chad looked around the inside of the barn. He hadn't really paid attention until now. That was when he saw him. Gray's corpse, missing the left half of his face. Chad was shocked. He was aiming his rifle throughout the barn, but he couldn't see anyone or anything else. Gray's gone! he said into his comms. Shit, Trent responded. Another merc flew around the van with his weapon aimed at Trent. But he wasn't nearly close to fast enough. 
Trent put a single shot into the man's black mask. His head snapped backward before he hit the floor. Trent started staggering to his feet when he looked straight ahead of him, only to see a man standing there. Trent raised his pistol, but the man didn't flinch. Damn, kid, you don't look so good, the man said through a smile. Who the hell are you? The man was taller than Trent. He wasn't skinny, though. He wasn't fat, either. But he was somewhere in that weird in-between. He had dark brown eyes that pierced into Trent's very existence. He stood still, running his fingers through his long, white, gray-speckled beard. Oh, me? I am Ivan. What are you doing here? Restoring order. Bringing peace to the planet. Fixing this chaotic species known as the human race. Are you monologuing? Ivan chuckled. That didn't work for you? Trent's grip on his pistol tightened as he suddenly found himself surrounded by mercenaries. He flicked the safety off, then back on with his thumb. Okay, how about this? You stole something from me. If you don't give it back, I kill you. I don't have the slightest idea of what you are talking about, Trent responded. I mean the Lazarus. You mean the Bible character? Trent was playing as stupid as possible, even though he knew it was futile. He had to buy time. Kid, don't fuck with me. I know it's here, and I know you've been calling it the package, which in my opinion seems a little vague. You could have at least chosen something exciting. Trent rolled his eyes. He was now surrounded, and there was nothing he could do. There was no escape, no sound deus ex machina to free him. Well, except for Chad. But Trent wasn't about to put his pistol down. He knew what it meant. He made it a few steps away from the car. How did you find us? Oh, is this the part where the villain reveals his trade secret so you can escape thanks to that guy hiding in the barn during some long and drawn-out action scene? Trent shrugged his shoulders. If you want to play it that way. Ivan laughed. Then he pulled a switch out of his pocket and flipped it. Then suddenly, the barn exploded in fantastic fashion. The splinters rained down around them. Trent turned and watched as the fireball arched over the van. That's when his eyes noticed something that was even more shocking. Jamie was leaning on the van. The package in one hand and a suppressed pistol aimed at Trent in the other. You son of a bit. Trent hadn't gotten the words out of his mouth. The bullets were already tearing through him, all in his chest. He fell backward, the wet soil with a thud. Jamie was gleefully stepping towards him. You were right, Trent. The CIA doesn't care about a better, more orderly world. But my new employers do. Trent could feel the blood filling his lungs. He could feel his life draining from him. Then he could see them, all his sins. All the death he caused in the name of some faceless agency. Everything that he did. All were swirling around in his head like a hurricane. Then suddenly, the swirling stopped. He could see her. The hallucinations from the blood loss started setting in. She was standing there on top of the deck of the carrier and tears were falling down her face. Her heart was broken, the only good thing he'd ever had in his life, destroyed by his death. Then suddenly, 
as fast as it started. It ended. All he could see was Jamie standing over him, that crooked grin on his face. J-Jamie, he groaned. What? Jamie asked through a devious smile. Fuck you. In one last act of defiance, Trent brought up his pistol and pulled the trigger. The bullet flew through Jamie's left ear, blowing it almost entirely off. Blood spewed everywhere. Jamie raised his pistol and pulled the trigger, sending several more rounds into Trent's body until Trent simply was no more. He blew my fucking ear off! Jamie screamed. Jamie was clutching his ear with one hand while madly stomping around. Damn, that kid just doesn't know when to quit. I like it. Ivan had a massive smile on his face. What? Ivan rolled his eyes. Never mind. Ivan motioned for Jamie to follow him. Jamie did so while holding his head. Ivan produced a cell phone from his pocket, then shoved it up to his ear. Hey, Victor, everything went as planned. Well, almost everything. Jamie lost an ear, Ivan said with a laugh. By the time the Black Hawk arrived, Ivan and his men had cleared out. An hour and a half had passed. All that was left was the burning barn and an empty van. The Black Hawk landed, and the American Navy SEALs stepped out in a single-file line, all tactically aiming their weapons and checking the area for intruders or hostiles. All clear, one of the soldiers shouted. The next person out of the chopper was Agent Cameron Shaw, the Director of Operations for the CIA Special Activities Division. A tall, heavier-set man with gelled-back jet-black hair and a huge nose. He walked out calmly, taking a deep breath as he examined the scene through his dark aviators. He was irritated. Irritated because he lost several of his men. Irritated because he lost his only lead on Gideon. Sir, we found Agent Grayson's body, one of the seals said to him. Take it to the chopper. Suddenly, there was a shuffle in the wreckage from some sheet metal and splintered wood. All the seals aimed their weapons. That was when the battered body of Chad broke its way out. The seals rushed over to help him, lifting him up and out of the wreckage. His face and his uniform were covered in ashes. I can stand. I'm fine. I'm fine. He said, brushing off the seals. He got to his feet. What the hell happened? From what I heard on comms, Jamie sold us out to some mercenary called Ivan. Shaw rubbed the back of his head in frustration. Okay. Did he get the package? Yeah. Shaw took a deep, withdrawn breath. Shit. He mumbled. What? How fast can you be ready to respond? Honestly, I want to kill him as soon as I can. Shaw looked around the wreckage. The mess his witch hunt had created was burning all around him. Good, because if we can find Jamie and get the package back, it will give us the foot in the door we need. For what? Stopping the end of the world. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Out of the Darkness series podcast. Next time, we'll meet a hitman named Keith Gonzalez, as he has taken an assignment to hunt down the man who robbed his adoptive father.
This series is based on the novel Out of the Darkness Operation Lazarus by Caden Gardner. Available now on Amazon Kindle, Apple Books, and Barnes & Noble Nook.